Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this 4th of February, 2022. I am Carmen LaBerge. Together we are applying the mind of Christ to the concerns of the day. If you missed the first hour, you can pick it up at myfaithradio.com or on the Faith Radio app. A few headlines this morning uh, that I think we should be aware of. The leader of ISIS... I know many of you have uh, moved past thinking about ISIS, but they're very active and actually resurgent in the Middle East. And the leader of ISIS was killed yesterday during a U.S. counterterrorism raid that involved U.S. boots on the ground in northwestern Syria. So U.S. forces engaged in a couple hours long gun battle with security forces before Abu Ibrahim al-Hashami al Qurashi. So al Qurashi is the um, the name you're going to hear over and over today. Um, he killed himself and his family when he detonated a bomb as U.S. forces closed in on his compound. And so that explosion resulted in a number of casualties. Not only did al Qurashi die, um, he took with him a number of wives and children. And so um, prayers need to be rising today, right? Because these are people who were not in Christ. Like, it's very safe to say, based on their espoused beliefs in jihadist Islam, um, based on their understanding that everyone who does not believe as they believe in terms of Allah um, is an infidel and worthy of death. And so when we consider our prayers today, um, We're praying for the reality of people who are eternally lost. And we're also recognizing that those who are devoted to the ideology of this individual and the Islamic State are now going to be interested in retaliation. And so let's be praying for those who are now in harm's way because of um, this necessary counterterrorism action by the United States uh, taken yesterday in Syria. $240 $240 billion, $240 billion. That, that sounds like a lot, right? Um, well, that is actually how much value uh, the company formerly known as Facebook, now traded as Meta, uh, that is how much their value dropped in the market yesterday, $240 billion. That's how much shares closed down, more than 20, 26%. Um, after, uh, you know, an earnings report that was, let's just say, disappointing. Uh, So that's going to be a a conversation for today as well and affects those who certainly were holding that stock in any kind of portfolio. All right. Now I want to tell you a story um, and through it help us uh, maybe see a bigger story. So I read this morning about uh, a piece of artwork 
that was bought, bought at a yard sale. So this individual paid $30 at a yard sale in Massachusetts for a drawing. Took it home, eventually thought, you know, I ought to, I, you know, maybe I'll try to sell it at my local bookstore. The person at the bookstore saw it and said, hey, I know a guy. Maybe we could have him look at it, see if it you know, has what kind of value it has. That guy kind of rolled his eyes. You know, he, you know, anyway, he looked at it and he said, this is either the greatest forgery I've ever seen or you now own a genuine masterpiece. And so more um, research went into it. It is a verified masterpiece by 16th century artist Albrecht Dürer, who died in 1528. I, I found several facets of this story very interesting, but I didn't I, I don't want us to miss this line. Quote, the artwork had been purchased at a yard sale at the home of an architect who had been gifted the piece from his art dealer father. So. Let me just draw it out. The father was an art dealer. He likely knew the value of the gift he was giving to his son. But his son, the architect, never bothered to ask the father. Nor did he place any personal value on the gift that he sold at a yard sale for $30. It's worth $10 million. $10 million. There's a lesson there. James chapter 1, verse 17 tells us that every good and perfect gift is from our Father above. Do we underestimate the value of that which God has given us, masterpieces that we regard as, well, you know, trash to be sold at a yard sale? Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 1 of the litany of gifts that we receive as the children of God redeemed in Christ Jesus. I encourage you, I commend it to your reading. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We're heirs of the kingdom of heaven. We have an inheritance that is imperishable. Let us live into that reality today. Let's ask God to help us see the extraordinary value of the spiritual blessings he has given us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And let's share that with others. Let's share with others the good news of God's great grace. Indeed, a masterpiece. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Holtz is joining us from Focus on the Families Plugged In here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You are listening to Faith Radio. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. All right, Moonfall. I know nothing about it, but much is being made over it. So read me well, in. Moonfall. Okay, is the here's moon, what you need to is know. the moon falling? Is this the issue in yeah, Moonfall? It is. Mm. Yes, the moon. Yeah, God uh, is not going to let the moon fall. I just have news for people. That's not what's no, happening. And, and let me cut to the chase. I saw it last night. Um, this is a ridiculous movie. Uh, <laughs> if you if you like explosions and apocalyptic imagery, okay, maybe I no, probably not. Uh, this is directed by Roland Emmerich, and just to give you a little bit of context, he did Independence Day. 
uh, day after tomorrow. Okay, is, is Independence Day the one where Will um, yeah. Will Smith yeah. saves us? Okay, right. I I like that one. It's also ridiculous, no. but I liked that one. No, it was. Those are all better movies. What I was going to say is, <laughs> Roland Emmerich is deeply infatuated with stories that enable him to destroy cities on film, and this one does that again. Um, but uh, basically, a group of people, some scientists, uh, you know, a quirky outsider who everybody thinks is a crackpot. Uh, and Halle Berry, who works at NASA and a former astronaut, figure out that the uh, the orbit of the moon is um, disintegrating and the moon is literally falling into Earth and coming apart in chunks in the process. But they also discover that the moon is hollow, that there is a hole in the moon. And that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I laughed out loud it's, so many times. Carmen. It's um, I, it's really just a giant oatmeal cookie. If anybody is um, not right. aware of that, then you are um, in need of listening to Hank the Cow Dog and the episode <laughs> about the Cookie Moon. Because I feel like investing your time in the Cookie Moon is better than investing your time and money in Moonfall. There you go. Yes, my assessment. It, exactly. No, and that's right, how, that's exactly right. How about um, the royal treatment on Netflix? Well, you got to figure the suits at Netflix are watching Hallmark because this is a Hallmark movie <laughs> on Netflix, right? So if okay. you have seen any of the three versions of The Princess Diaries, Netflix guys realized, okay, we need to make up a European country. We need to give a prince in that European country an excuse to come to America and then accidentally develop a relationship with a hairdresser in New York City. And even though he's supposed to get married and she's doing everybody's hair for the wedding, I think we know where this is going. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, All right. How, now, how now, about... Now, let me, let oh, me say one other thing, though. Um, yeah. There is a, a gay character in this movie and they talk about his relationship. And I think it's another example of the fact that anymore we're not seeing very many things that don't have a token uh, gay character. And so there's mm. not very much other content at all. Uh, it's This is a PG movie, and for Netflix, they actually didn't dirty it up like they sometimes do. Um, and so you might be tempted to watch it, but just know that that's in there, especially if you're watching with younger kids. All right. Now take us um, quickly to uh, your review of uh, home team. I'm looking at it now at pluggedin.com. What's the storyline of home team and can we watch it? Um, you can watch it. This is an interesting film in that it's a mashup of a true sports story and a Kevin James comedy. And at times it can't decide which one it wants to be. This is the story of Sean Payton, who um, was the coach of the New Orleans Saints until fairly recently. In 2012, he got in trouble for a scandal called Bounty Gate, in which it was implicated that he knew that there were payments being made to players to injure opposing players on purpose. So mm -hmm. actually a pretty sordid scandal. The movie doesn't really deal with that. It starts with his suspension for a year, and he goes back home to Argyle, Texas, to see his 12-year-old son and his ex-wife. And wouldn't you know it, his 12-year-old son is on a football team, and he ends up becoming 
you know, and he's won a Super Bowl by this point. This is a Super Bowl winning NFL coach. Ends up coaching his son's high school football team. And they're sort of a bad news bears group of misfits that can't play football out of a wet paper bag. But he turns them into a championship caliber key team. Uh, nice story. Uh, a little bit of profanity, a little bit of bathroom humor. But again, for Netflix, they keep it solidly PG. And it has some great things, I think, to say about second chances. And it never really delves deeply into the ethical reality of what may or may not have happened with uh, the Bounty Gate thing. I think there were a lot of allegations that were never completely mm -hmm. proven. Um, but uh, pretty nice story. And it's done by uh, Adam Sandler's production company. Adam Sandler is not in it, but virtually all of the rest of his relatives are. So he has a sister in it. I think he has a son in it. Um, and as Adam Sandler's stuff goes, it's pretty nice because a lot of times his stuff is pretty raunchy. So there you go. All right. Home team is something that uh, that is safe for family viewing. Um, when we come back, Adam Holtz and I are going to talk about a listener question. So listener Stephen is texting in this morning at 877-933-2484. He says, hey, the next huge transformation. Um, have you or will you discuss uh, the implications of metaverse. Yep, actually, Adam and I have teed up a conversation here about the metaverse. Uh, it's likely not going to be good for kids' mental health. No shocking surprise there, but worthy of discussion. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Uh, a good reminder um, from Paul checking in this morning on the text line at 877-933-2484. He says, hey, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl only after declaring a bounty on Minnesota Vikings quarterback Brett Favre. Um, I think, is that right? Minnesota Vikings quarterback Brett Favre. Anyway, he was for, um, yeah, he was for a while. Because that Briefly. seems like the wrong, okay, because that's not the franchise I associate with Brett Favre. For there you go. Um, he says, sorry, I just can't get behind anything that involves that guy. And then I realized, well, maybe it's time for a lesson in forgiveness, and I need the lesson. So, yeah, you're not wrong, um, Paul. Thank you for that reminder. It's true for all of us. I, in the middle of that conversation, wanted to stomp my foot and say, hey, by the way, that's not how saints behave. So there you right. go. <clears throat> um, we are talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Um, Adam, let's talk a little bit about the metaverse. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it is emerging and psychologists have something to say about how problematic it could be for kids' mental health. Yeah, I mean, the metaverse is not a new idea. And in fact, it is a step toward making science fiction movies like Ready Player One or Free Guy in which people live most of their lives in a virtual reality setting, uh, it's it's moving in that direction. Um, and so Meta obviously is the new name of uh, the company formerly known as Facebook. Facebook still exists, of course. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has really pushed this. He's not the only one doing it. And basically, um, when we're talking about virtual reality, you may have a pair of goggles on, you may have gloves, you may have a full body suit, uh, depending on how immersive you want to get. Um, that's not mainstream yet, but I think it's coming. And so scientists are asking questions about what kind of psychological problems is this going to cause, especially for young people. We already know that social media on its own uh, correlates with all sorts of 
mental health issues. Um, but this, I think, creates a further disassociation between our real embodied personality and a virtual representation of ourself where you think, you know, you can do whatever you want. Uh, there's a quote mm. from an article from CNBC that says, you are what other people think about you in adolescence. And the idea of being able to fictionalize your identity and receive very different feedback can really mess with a teenager's identity. Um, so I want to just say one thing, and I think I've talked about this before. There's a pastor named Shane Hips who wrote a book called Flickering Pixels. My favorite thing in that book is that he makes the distinction between incarnate and discarnate. And discarnate, to my knowledge, is not a word I had heard before I read his book. And he said, the issue we have to grapple with theologically with all of our remote communication is that it's discarnate. Uh, it doesn't make it bad, but it's not the same as being enfleshed and being face to face with somebody. And so Jesus was incarnate. He came in the flesh, in person, and nothing can replace those incarnate relationships. And so we have to think about technology in terms of how is it affecting my relationships? And if you are primarily relating to people in a discarnate environment, that has implications. Uh, and I think the metaverse just takes those questions all to the next level. Uh, for those of you looking for a book on uh, on that topic as well, I remember a conversation we had here um, with Jay Kim about his book, Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. So that might be uh, a good a good reminder there. Um, screens um, don't just affect how we see ourselves and how we see other people. They're actually affecting us and our use of screens, actually affecting us in other ways as well. Talk with us about um, what we now know in terms of screens ru ruining our ability to read deeply. Well, screens have changed the way we interact with information. And when you read a book, you sit down and you read it in a linear end-to-end -end way, and that requires certain metaphorical muscles in our brain, if you will. Um, but screens invite us to flit around like a, a digital hummingbird, right? So we get a little bit of nectar over here, we get a little bit here, and not surprisingly, that has turned us into a culture where we sort of we gather the information we want flitting from here to there, but that has uh, atrophied our brain's ability to really sit and think deeply um, about, well, anything. I mean, it has implications for prayer. It has implications for being silent. It has implications for reading. Uh, and there's a new book out called Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention and how to think deeply again. And a number of years ago, I read a book by Nicholas Carr called The Shallows. Um, and it's the same premise, that the internet is destroying our ability to think. And, and that sounds like pearl-clutching hyperbole, but one of the studies that he talks about in the book was um, there was a Chinese study where they took a group of people that had never had any exposure to the internet, um, took an MRI of their brains, put them on the internet for four hours a day for two weeks and took another MRI. And in two weeks, their brain structure was different. So mm. 
there is a biological reality to our brains responding to the stimulus that we encounter through screens. And we have all, with rare exceptions, um, had some degree of exposure to that. And so uh, it's a real thing. And I think not being able to read deeply is important, but I think not being able to think and reflect deeply on a spiritual level may be an even more uh, unintended consequence of our our screen proliferation in our world. All right, lest you um, lest you imagine that what Adam Holtz and I are suggesting is that we all become Luddites. Uh, the subject matter of today's breakpoint is that a truly Christian worldview still celebrates the beauty of innovation while maintaining healthy skepticism about it. So let's take a brief pause here and enjoy Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Cause I'm just a So I'm Carmen LeBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. I am, yes, just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody, and that somebody is Jesus. Um, On the technology front, I think it's possible that I am one of those people who has to go today and get a new phone. Paul, I've decided that um, maybe the issues I'm having this morning with technology are the fact that I have one of those phones that's not now compatible with the new 5G. Wait a minute, you have, what type of phone do you have, though? Zooty Doos. Well, I can't open my docs. It says that they are no longer compatible with the system I'm running on my phone. Yeah, but what type of phone do you have? Because you have a smartphone. That wouldn't be a no, it's 3G. It's not, not smart enough. Well, I know you were concerned it about does the say 3G. 4G. It does say 4G up there yeah. in the corner of my phone. So That might be something else going on. It's I don't not know. the 3G thing. Don't I worry got about an that. LG G7 ThinQ to uh, answer Yeah, your that's question. 4G. That, that, no, you're, it's not right. a 3G issue. Something, something else. something else going else. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Everybody send up a little technology prayer for whatever is plaguing my system this morning. All right, so yesterday we talked with Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, One of the conversations we had with Peter was about the difficulty of forming friendships in midlife. If that's true for you, like if you're thinking to yourself, I I really don't feel like I have a real friend or I'd like to make a new friend. If that's you, uh, I think you're going to enjoy the conversation with Jess Johnson and Amy Weatherly. That was a challenge they were each facing. They found this like joyfully creative friendship first online and then uh, became friends in real life so um, enjoy the conversation uh, about their book I'll be there Jess Johnson and Amy Weatherly joining me you're listening to mornings with Carmen I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio tell you in advance this is going to be really fun jess johnston is here with amy weatherly they are the women behind sister i am with you.com we're talking today about their brand new book i'll be there but i'll be wearing sweatpants jess and amy welcome to mornings with carmen thank you so much for having us okay it's so fun to meet the two of you i have um you know i have seen what you're doing online i'm aware of just the 
incredible number of people being ministered to on the Facebook page. Um, just all of the women who have responded to this conversation about friendship. So let's um, let's do this. Jess, introduce Amy, and then Amy, turn around and introduce Jess. <laughs> Amy Weatherly, um, she has three kids, lives in Texas, and she is just the most amazing human. Um, she is hilarious and witty and just so down to earth. I have to tell this quick story about her. The first time we met, we met up in San Diego and it was just, we had, we met online prior and we clicked right away. Texts turned into long phone conversations and then we flew out to actually meet each other. And it was just like so much better than we could have ever expected. It was just like being with a sister. But one thing she, she does regularly is we were walking down the street and a lady goes, I love your earrings. And she says, oh, really? Well, here you go. And that's just who she is. She just <laughs> took off her earrings and gave, and gave them away. She's just a fantastic human. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Amy, how about introduce Jess? Okay. I am so excited to do this. So Jess is the mother of four kids. She has four beautiful, wonderful kids, two boys, two girls. Um, she lives in California where the weather is perfect all the time. And she always has <laughs> access to the beach. So we can all feel very sorry for her right now where the rest of us are, you know, cold, but um, <laughs> Jess loves to run and she loves hamburgers and French fries and nachos. <laughs> and she also is like the warmest, kindest friend. I mean, genuinely, I cannot even begin to talk about how much I've learned from her about just loving people and accepting people and accepting yourself and just welcoming people as you are. I genuinely, genuinely believe that there's not a human on this earth who would meet Jess and not instantly feel comfortable around her. And that giving that away, just that's such a gift. And I, I mean, this whole thing started with me being a fan of Jess's. Um, and I'm just, I'm glad that we're here. I would not could not, would not want to do any of this without her. She's Aww. amazing. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, so that is so great. So I will say that, um, it, so this will just be me, honest, honest reaction and response. So one of you stalked the other one and then you had this weird yes. online thing that became an <laughs> in real life thing. Um, no, yes. it's, it's, it's so great. Um, so we're talking with Jess Johnston and Amy Weatherly. We're talking about, well, frankly, the weirdness that is adult friendship. Uh, they have a brand new book. I'll be there, but I'll be wearing sweatpants. Uh, the easiest place to find them is in their online community that they founded together. Sister, I am with you. You can find it at sisteriamwithyou.com uh, or the Facebook group. So, Amy, um, you guys, you you know, you shared how you guys met, which sounds a little online dating-ish, and that might be a surprise to some people. Um, but I'm actually not surprised uh, that you clicked with somebody online and then over the phone and then met in person. And by the time you met in person, right, you guys already knew one another so well that the there was a relationship there that then you could just walk forward into. Yes. I mean, it was so easy and so natural. I'll never forget. So the first time we met, it, that's what I'm saying. It started with me being a fan of Jess's. And I literally just, I wanted to work with her. I loved her work. And so I just sent her a message and said that. And 
first of all, can I just tell that like women like encourage each other, lift each other up, say the nice things that you're thinking, say them, spread that around, be fans of each other. It is, it is, that is good and holy work. I truly believe. So it started with that and then it went to conversations. Then we kind of did the, you know, the, it, what is like dating? Cause then we went to like, Hey, can I, can I call you on the telephone? <laughs> And then we started sister. I'm with you before we had ever met in person. And then we met in person and it was so natural. It was so natural. Um, I will never forget. Jess walks through the hotel room. I'm like, Hey, Jess, oh my gosh, you're taller than I thought you would be. (laughs) Um, and then we just kind of went to like, are you ready to go eat food? Do you want to go eat food? And then we went and ate and it was just the most natural, natural thing I've ever felt. So um, food, fellowship, conversation, things that you share in common. Um, I'm wondering, like, when in this process was there kind of like the worldview conversation? That probably seems like a weird way to frame this. But, like, if I don't know in advance that a person is a Christian and operating out of my worldview, I also know it's just going to be a whole lot more work. I'm not saying I wouldn't be their friend, but it it would not be as natural for me. So was that something you guys already, like, did you kind of already know each other's worldview before you ever even initiated contact online? No. We did, yeah, to a certain oh, yes. degree. Like, yes, Amy was like, like no. no. <laughs> we were in a Christian writers group together, so we had kind of an idea. But yeah. yes, there was the feeling out. There was the feeling out. <laughs> like, uh, do you worship God? Um yeah, or and is it, God just yeah, like a hobby, probably, or are you serious we, about exactly, that? Exactly, yeah. yeah, and pro- we probably wouldn't have made the steps to work together had we not uh, believed similarly in that way, or believed the so, same. So, I'm super curious um, about, so, you, I mean, you didn't just recognize this need in your own life, right? Because friendships are, frankly, hard to forge. I have found them hard to forge. They don't just happen automatically. Um, I, you know, I moved to a new city 11 years ago now, and I made a one new real friend, like awesome, totally, you know, tracking with new friend. And then God took her away through cancer Mm. just a couple of years after that. And so so like this challenge, I know, thank you so much. This challenge though is real. The challenge of being an adult woman and wanting to make a friend, a friend friend, um, but you guys are doing it long distance, which you've also found a way to work together um, as friends and and sort of helping other people forge friendships. So when we take when we come back from very very brief break, will you tell us um, sort of the secret sauce uh, that you that you disclose in "I'll Be There, But I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants" because it's also the secret sauce of "Sister, I Am With You." Could we talk about that when we come back? Yes. <laughs> All right, I For love sure. it. We're, we're talking with Jess Johnston and Amy Weatherly. They are the women behind Sister I Am With You. The new book is I'll Be There, But I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. All right, picking up right where we left off with Amy Weatherly and Jess Johnston. They are the co-authors of I'll Be There, But I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants. It is a book about friendship, real friendship, um, and how we forge them as adults in the world today. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know if you guys would tell us, like, what's the secret sauce? From your, from your view, like, how does this happen? 
I think one of the very biggest things is that we as a culture have put friendship pretty down low down on our list. We have family, we have our kids, we have God, we have our jobs, careers. Friendship really isn't, we treat it kind of like a luxury and we cannot, there's no way around needing to invest intentional time into Mm -hmm. our friendships to grow the deep friendships that we were really longing for. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm not wanting to just have someone I can call up and have a surface level conversation with. I want like real friends that are actually with me in the nitty gritty and who really know me and I can show up in my sweatpants with. Um, but there's just no way around that except for investing real time. So it's creating space to do that regularly with the friends in our life is one of the biggest tools, I would say. Um, I would say just being very, very intentional. It is, it, like you said, it is not a natural thing. I think when kids, you know, when we're at school, it's natural. You're spending a bajillion hours with the same people every day. So mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. it is very natural that you would develop conversations and friendships. That's very natural, but that's how we don't know how to go from, you know, school to real life where it is less natural. (laughs) You're not spending a bajillion hours with the same people. So you have to be very intentional with how you spend your time, how you prioritize um, who you surround yourself with. Because it's not that we don't know enough people, it's that we aren't willing to go deep enough with enough enough people. And part of that is just being willing to say, to push your ego down and say, I am willing for this to be awkward and I'm willing for this to be weird. And I'm willing to put myself out there. I am willing to do those things um, so that I can form these friendships, so that I can form these deep connections. Cause just like Jess said, I have meaningless conversations with my kids all the time. (laughs) Like not meaningless, but you know, like kids are, kids are talking about who knows what, um, but I need people that I can talk about real stuff with the struggles Mm -hmm. and the hurt and the highs and the lows and the wins and the losses. We, we need people that we can talk about all of it with. Yeah. I love that. Find a friend who says stuff like, how can I help? No piles of laundry. Don't bother me. I messed (laughs) up. I'm sorry. You look gorgeous. Want to grab some Mexican food? I love you. And I mean it. I'll cheer for you. I'll be your biggest fan. I'll sing your praises when you forget how wonderful you are. I got to tell you, that's the kind of friendship we all long for. I think that's the kind of friend we're willing to be. Um, I'm just not sure anybody's ever given us sort of permission to get online and do it. Like, you know, you identified a person in the culture who you said to yourself, all right, you know what? I think we're a lot alike and I think I like her. Maybe she'd like me. It's like sending a note in grade school almost. Will you be my friend? Yes. I know. I feel like life would be easier if we could just walk around with a shirt that said, hey, I'm looking for a friend. Are you too looking for a friend? And we could just find each other. So let's talk a little bit um, about um, the book, right? So you have this online community where you're fielding all of these you know, questions and people making observations and people, you know, struggling with friendship. Um, it The book is what I would describe as very unfiltered. It's real life. It's a little bit, in fact, the words crazy and chaotic appear on the cover. Um, talk, talk about that. Talk about the experience people are going to have when they enter into the book. 
our biggest desire with this book is that when you read it, you would just feel like you're sitting next to us on the couch and there's a giant pile of laundry right next to us. And we're just uh, talking about the real struggles that we've all gone through with friendship and the anxiety that goes with it, the, the hurt, um, all of it. Because one of the biggest things that we feel is that friendship is hard and we're not talking about it enough. So normalizing the fact that it's not just easy for everyone else except for you. Like everybody struggles with adult friendship. So let's normalize it and talk about it. And the biggest message is you're not alone. You're not the only one. We can do this together. So there's a difference in being, you know, like a Facebook friend. <clears throat> I think that this is part of the challenge we face in the culture. I can unfriend somebody on Facebook and they don't even know it because, right, it's just <laughs> it's just how that works. Talk a little bit about um, the times in our life when we get to the place where, you know what, it, the, a friendship is over and like that needs to be acknowledged as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you do have to be selective um, and, and not in a bad way. I always thought that was a bad thing. I thought that that was unloving. Like if, if I couldn't be best friends with everybody, then I felt like I was a bad Christian and I felt like I was loving them wrong. But mm. at the end of the day, truth is you are human. You, I mean, no matter how, which way you slice it, you're human. And there are 24 hours in a day. You're awake for however many of those hours. Um, and you have obligations and you only have so much energy. So as bad as you want to be best friends with everybody, you can't. So um, there is a time when you are going to have to say, like, this isn't healthy for me. And this is not healthy for you. And I always look at, I mean, our hearts are so precious. I mean, our hearts are, that's, that's where everything is coming from. So we've got to protect it. And if, if, if a relationship has continually, um, and I think that's important because I think people do need to know that you cannot have this Ariana Grande, thank you next attitude when it comes with, to friends, <laughs> there will be a point where you have to stick it out. And there will be a point where you have to forgive and nobody's going to be perfect. And if you're going to have deep friendships, you will be let down at some point. And, but it's a continual thing. What is happening most of the time? But if it's gotten to where the feelings are bad most of the time and most of the time when you're around that person, it's toxic and it's not good and it is draining your heart, then you do have to set very strong boundaries there. And that's okay. I don't think that that is, there's a loving way to do that. There's a loving, kind um, way to set those boundaries and guard your heart, but it is essential. Well, let me compliment the two of you um, and say uh, thank you from the rest of us. I think that the use of the word sister is really powerful, and I genuinely appreciate that. I also think that what we all really want is somebody to be withing with us. And so this I am with you um, is like, that's real. That's therapeutic. That's healing. That's gracious. Um, so sister, I am with you is the uh, is the website. It's also the Facebook group and the Instagram follow um, uh, sister. I am with you. The book is. I will be there, but I'll be wearing sweatpants, which is so cute and clever and true. And so thank you so much, Jess and Amy, for joining us today. We look forward to um, we look forward to talking with you again. Uh, I think there's a I think there's a future to this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much excited. for having us. Thank you. Yes. We'll talk about friendship all day, every day. Yes. So much fun. 
It's so much fun. And out of friendship community, I feel like you guys are really forging that um, as well. And that's such a gift uh, to others. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, we are honored to do it. Honestly, like we, we love what we do. This is our passion. Yeah. So fun. I can hear it in your voices. Thank you so much. All right. That's Jess Johnston and Amy Weatherly. The book is I'll Be There, But I'll Be Wearing Sweatpants. The larger uh, ministry and website, sisteriamwithyou.com. you to think for just a moment about the rituals in which you have engaged or invested uh, during the pandemic. So um, this is Mornings with Carmen, and I'm Carmen LaBerge. And in the beginning of the pandemic, people created all kinds of ways to sort of busy themselves, distract their minds, found new rhythms and ways of doing things in their home that they used to do in their community. People bought Peloton bikes. They started uh, making sourdough bread. They built gardens. They binge watched things and, you know, developed social media conversations related to those. Um, and, And the article in the Washington Post on this topic then says this. In Brooklyn, a software engineer said, let there be Wordle, and there was Wordle, big time. And when I read that line, I thought, now there is a person who knows enough about the Bible to almost quote it or certainly use it as a mental hook for everyone else. Because in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Um, And so when we... When we read things, when we encounter things in the culture that act as hooks back to Scripture, back to truth, I think we're the people who need to point those out and say, hey, I know where that comes from. I know where you got that. So this conversation in the Washington Post is about this online game called Wordle that has become quite the ritual for people. And the conversation in this piece is really about how our brains are designed for pattern seeking in order to help us make sense of the world. So as you are engaging the world today, let me encourage you to look for the patterns that God has placed there for his glory and for your edification. I can tell you this, I see crosses everywhere I look. Um, Maybe you could see them today as well. Look for patterns and in that help make sense of the world in which we live. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.